Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Hey, we are back, or rather I should say Julie is back. Um, and a lot of you guys uh, were emailing me and communicating, worrying about Julie. She is perfectly fine. She's just getting over a little bit of allergies that came as a result of the, the, the Saharan dust cloud that was uh, you know, encompassing basically all the Caribbean. And now that it's washing, unfortunately, it's washing over or blowing over to the Gulf Coast. And our friends in Texas are now experiencing the loveliness of that horribleness. But yes, uh, Julia, some of you guys might know, one of the reasons that we moved to Puerto Rico, one of the primary reasons was is um, Julia had developed all kinds of asthma and all kinds of breathing problems. And as a matter of fact, it got to the point where we went to a, a doctor and the doctor said she only had 50% lung capacity. This is when we moved in, I lived in Texas and they put her on a bunch of different kinds of inhalers. But it was when we were living there in Texas, uh, a little bit north of Austin, that we learned that uh, essentially where we were living in Texas was one of the worst places in the nation for allergies. And so after a while of trying to manage her allergies, the doctor, essentially a, a nice gal, finally said to us, you guys have to consider moving because this is just going to get worse. Um, and there's no, you know, basically Julie's going to have to essentially just deal with us the rest of her life if you choose to stay living in Texas. And we were originally from Ohio and she had allergies there. And the only other places that we had uh, not, and she, when we were living in Nevada, guess what? Same thing. We lived in, uh, you know, part-time occasionally in Southern California. That's the only place where her allergies weren't so bad, but they were still pretty bad because, you know, just all the nastiness that kind of grows over in, in uh, Southern California. And the closer you got to the coast and there was more coastal wind, the less the allergies were bad. Um, but the doctor told us there's only a few places in the United States where you can really live and not have um, problems with the things that she was allergic to. And the top of her list was Puerto Rico. So that was the primary reason why we moved here a year ago. And since we moved here, the Julie's allergies, she doesn't even take her inhalers anymore. She's like a new woman, you know. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. I haven't ever known Julie in the, you know, almost 30 years we've been married. And I knew her in high school, too. So I've known her for over 30 years. I've never known a time where she's been able to breathe as freely as she can now. Except when the big damn Saharan dust cloud decides to come visit and that sort of took her out. So she's, uh, you know, you don't want to hear her talk right now. She's getting over essentially what is just sounds awful. Um, and yes, so for those of you guys who are worried about her, she is right as rain. I assure you, she's a tough little chick and she will be back in fighting mode any day now. Now, yesterday we talked a lot about um, an email that I had received where, you know, someone was basically looking for direction. And I was telling you about the framework of a coaching call. And this is the same coaching call I provided to literally thousands of you guys over the years. And the whole point of this is really to get your minds clear and focused. Because right now, all of us have so many different things that are pulling us in so many different directions we get this sort of you know this omnipresent sense of dread dread for the future dread for the past not knowing what to do what's going to happen next and the more information you you know the normal method of operation for all of us is we go and seek outside sources for information for you know for something that's going to give us some sense of um, control 
But nowadays, with all these competing messages and all the political stuff that's going on, all the stuff about the coronavirus, all the, I don't even want to, you know, I don't want to raise your anxiety level, but you guys know as well as I do that there's, you know, anxiety everywhere. It's crazy right now. I don't certainly remember a time like this in my 50 years on the planet, and I'm sure many of you will, you know, resemble that remark, right? So the reality of it is, is we're all living through these historic times together. And so it's easy to lose track of what your North Star is. It's easy to lose track of what matters most to you because you're having so many of these things that are competing for your emotional bandwidth, right? So um, that causes you this sort of feeling of overwhelm. And some of you call it, guys will say, you know, confusion, You're and some people get mad, some people get, you know, just all kinds of negative emotions. It's going to happen with your customers. It's going to happen, obviously, with you, your family members. And so you got to remember that ultimately, there's only a few things in life you can truly control. And, and really... And it's really hardly anything because everything else is so dependent on so many variables that you can't really control. But the three things you can are your environment, um, your, your physicality, and your finances. Those are the three things. And by environment, I literally mean, and as you guys, longtime listeners will know, we don't mince words. We're, you, know, we, you don't have to read a lot into what we're saying. We're being as practical and tactical as possible so we can help as many of you as possible. We don't like to sugarcoat our words or make things sound confusing. So it's your environment. It's your home. It's your office. It's your car. It's your you know, everything. How clean is it? How organized is it? Is it, is it essentially rolling thunder everywhere? Is it chaos? Are things just an absolute mess? Is your debt? And I know most of you are laughing at yourselves because you know the answer is yes. I've had some Zoom uh, meetings with some of you, and you guys think I'm looking at you. I'm not. I'm looking at your environment. I'm seeing stacks of crap. You have these little, you know, goat paths that basically could take you from one corner of your home office to another. You know, you guys need to develop a real fond um, friendship with the garbage can and um, learn to throw stuff out. And that's something that every single one of you can do urgently. And once you do it, you're going to find that you'll start to feel less stress. Your mind, subconscious mind, is so busily trying to find, um, you know, order in the chaos that if you're surrounding your mind and your physicality, right, if you're surrounding your actual environment, it's full of chaos. How can you ever expect your mindset or how can you ever expect your subconscious mind to be focused? So the first thing I want all of you guys to do is definitely do a huge house purge. Maybe it's the spring clean out cleanup that didn't happen this year because of COVID. Well, now is a perfect time to do it. We're coming up on the weekend. I don't know how messy your house is. Maybe it takes longer than that. Um, but yeah, consider a purge and donate the usable items. Donate them to churches. Donate them to whoever you want to donate them to. They don't all have to hit the uh, trash can. You'd be surprised how many people can use the stuff that you were thinking about throwing out. Number two, your body, right? Your physicality. You can control that. You can control what you eat. You can control the exercise output that you have. You can control what you do every single day. You can control what you look like. You can. You can actually control if you're fat, if you're not fat. These are all things within your control. Now, let's just say you have a big mountain to climb. You've got your health that you have to get back in order. You have, you know, the reality of it is, is most Americans are overweight. Or at least I think all of us can agree that we're not exactly in our peak physical condition, right? I certainly have lost some muscle tone that's over the last 90 days our gym's been closed and you know I, <laughs> julie and I, we had um 
we're having physicals right now. We do them every year. And the doctor asked how much I weighed, and I told her. And, you know, of course, it was a video conference. And uh, she said, well, how does that compare? And I said, well, I'm about seven or eight pounds less than I was 90 days ago. And I think, and I know for a fact it's all lost muscle. And she started to laugh. She said she's hearing that a lot. Well, there you go. I mean, so that's something I can control, right? The gym's going to start opening up. I can go back to the gym. I can get my muscle tone back. You know, lean muscle mass has been proven to essentially be one of the greatest ways to stay healthy long term, all that stuff. I'm, I'm well aware that I can control my physicality. And for me, it requires doing what I don't want to do when I don't want to do it at the highest level, right? I don't particularly like that, but I know I can control it. I know the long term ramifications of doing that are worth the short-term discomfort, which is what it is for me 99% of the time. And the last thing, again, just remember these three things. When you're feeling out of control, um, and I'm going to give you a bonus point here in a second, then we're going to get to finishing out the coaching session, the virtual coaching session we started yesterday. And, and the third thing is your finances. You guys really can control that. And that's the thing that um, ultimately, I'll, if I had to say this again, I would put finances first. I'd put finances, environment, then physical, you know, just depending on what your physical situation is. Maybe you put physical first if you've got a health problem. But the reality of it is, is nothing else matters if your finance, well, obviously health matters primarily, but again, assuming that's not a pressing issue, your finances are the thing that all of you should be focusing on first. Because you, look, you can have problems in the economy. You can have problems with interest rates, with just all kinds of social unrest, and maybe the pandemic comes back, and who knows what. I mean, we've had everything this year from locusts to earthquakes to you know a pandemic to a, you know a depression. <laughs> and, you know, if you guys are regular listeners, you know that I, Julie and I laugh that there's going to they're going to start being reports of aliens. I'm sure enough. You know, there's starting to be reports of aliens. We've been talking about that on our website, timandjulieharris.com, that the U.S. Navy is actually reporting stories on, um, you know, alien sightings and whatnot. So, of course, that's going to happen this year, you know. And then we have, you know, really amazing things like a return to space and SpaceX and just all this other amazing stuff that's happening. But the moral of the story here is, is we don't know what the next six months, let alone 12 months, is going to be like let alone, you know, 18 months or there beyond. So the best way for you to prepare for whatever's coming next is be financially prepared. Now, everyone always says they act like, oh my gosh, it's so much work. What am I supposed to do? I don't know what actions to take. And da, 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 da. Again, it's the overanalyzation that's going to keep you broke. It's overthinking and thinking that you, so, so this is what most of you do. And, and make fun of yourself when you hear me say these things, because you know it's true. Is I, you know, finances. You're going, yeah, no, no, no shit, Tim. I know I have to focus on my finances. I know that's important. I know I've been letting that get by me. I know that that's something that I'm vulnerable. And if the, you know, if the breeze changes ever so slightly, I'm going to be, you know, cast off in a different direction than I want to go because I don't have my financial house in order. But I don't know what to do. That's not true. It's a lie. You do know what to do. You just don't want to do it. You know exactly what to do intuitively. You just don't want to do it. And I'll prove it to you. Okay, get ready. Listeners, I'm going to ask you a question. If you had to take, I'll pick out a reasonable number, three listings in the next 30 days. Some of you, I know you can do it in a day, right? A lot of our private coaching clients can do it in 10 seconds, okay? But if you had to take three listings in the next 30 days, and at the other end of having taken three listings in the next 30 days, you're going to get a tax-free, you know, all-cash award for a million dollars, right? It's a prize. Everyone gets one as long as you take three listings in the next 30 days. How would you do it? How would you do it? Where's your mind go? Three, three listings next 30 days equals a million dollars. How are you going to do it? Do you see how you know how you're going to do it? 
But do you see how the things that you would have to do in order to accomplish that goal are the things that you don't want to do because it makes you uncomfortable because you don't know how to do it necessarily because you're procrastinating it? Now, remember, I said 30 days. Remember, maybe I say, okay, it's a million dollars in two weeks. Now you don't have time to get ready to get started. You don't have time to learn it and practice it and role play it. You just have to go do it. How many of you guys would even try considering, you know, your continued patterns of procrastination. How many of you would say, screw it, I can't do it in two weeks? There's no way I can take three listings in two weeks, if you, even if you're going to give me a million dollars, Tim. I just can't do it. How many of you think that? It's interesting, isn't it? Because all of you could. There's sellers, no matter what the market's like, no matter what's going on in the world, there's sellers that always have their hands up in there and say, yes, please come help me sell my house. But what would it require for you to get those listings? It would require you to knowing what to say, how to say it. You'd have to have a listing presentation. You'd have to have a pre-listing pack. You'd have to know how to pre-qualify. You'd have to know how to position the house in the market so that it sells in this changing market. You'd have to know how to deal with the seller's psychology because there's going to be a lot of confusion out there amongst sellers because they're, you know, in their minds, they're still pricing based on yesterday's pricing, not today's pricing. You'd have to deal with, and I can go on and on and on, but you'd have to know how to do it. But what's more is you'd have to basically be willing to do it. The reason that most agents are attracted to buyers and only stick with buyers is because it's a very low skilled end of the business. It's mostly a social, physical, uh, that's what it is. You're basically, they like you, you know the market well enough, you drive them around, you open the house up, they like it or they don't like it. The houses, you do not sell houses to buyers, buyers choose the houses that they're going to buy. You've never had a buyer, you've never sold a house to a buyer that they didn't, you know, obviously want to buy. It just does not happen. No one's, you know, you, right? It, that doesn't even make sense. The house sells itself. Now, uh, from a listing agent's side, you can certainly help that decision along by staging the house and making sure it doesn't smell like cat pee and, of course, making sure it's priced correctly. But from a buyer agent's perspective, there's really not a whole hell of a lot of sales skills that are necessary to get that house in contract. And that's the reason most of you guys are attracted to it, because it doesn't require a lot of skills. But what are you going to do now that the market's changing, now that the buyers are going to be nervous about you know, catching a falling knife as far as pricing? And there's certainly going to be some um, seizing up in the mortgage markets. You, know, you guys noticed in the last 90 days how that sort of ebbed and flowed from week to week. The lenders are deciding you know, how easy they're going to operate with their overlays versus maybe they're going to be completely and totally restrictive. This is all the nature of these types of markets as things start to change. There's only so many things the government can do to sort of grease the skids of the economy. And eventually, all of that's going to start to, you know, it's going to start to end, end. Agents are going to have to then realize, especially those who've been focused primarily on buyers, that, you know, guess what? You probably aren't going to be in business any longer. So if you had to take three listings in two weeks, how would you do it? I know what you'd do. You know what you'd do. You'd probably call FISBO maybe for the first time, an unrepresented owner. you call an expired you maybe would call your centers of influence and past clients, but the probability of finding a super motivated seller amongst that group would be lower than, say, calling the group of people who already had their hands in their air. You could call notices of defaults. There's going to be a lot of that. You can call potential short sales. You can call any of the 20 different sources that we teach you how to prospect as part of our coaching program. And yes, guys, look, we don't like to use the word prospect because you guys don't like to hear it. So we give you a nice, easier to understand term proactive lead generation, right? That's something Julie and I coined forever ago. You can call it proactive lead generation if it makes you uncomfortable, say you're prospecting. Um, but it does not matter. The freedom comes from the other side of knowing that any given day, you can pick up the phone 
or you know the various other means we show you how to you know, pursue this business and you can actually attract the business to you and get the listings you will have to call them you will have to solicit them you will have to learn how to sell you will have to move past all of these things that have been holding you back but I strongly encourage you to consider what happens in your future if you don't do these things it's not as anywhere near as bright as if you do learn to do these things so if you had to take three listings the next two weeks and you get a million dollars, every one of you could do it, couldn't you? You could, but you'd have to make yourself uncomfortable. You'd have to do what you didn't want to do when you didn't want to do it at the highest level. You would, and you could. So why don't you? The million dollars, you know, obviously I was just putting, saying that so that you guys could put your mindsets in the right place to actually consider it. But wasn't it fascinating that every single one of you knew the answer? And wasn't it equally as fascinating that every single one of you knew the answer, knew the answer and have always known the answer, but still aren't doing the real work of real estate? Why is that? Don't tell me it's because you don't know what to say or what to do. I know that is certainly 90% of, you know, of you listening. That is true. But that stuff's easy enough to learn. That's what we teach you in our coaching program. If you want to learn about our coaching program, just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Why else? It's because there's been easier places to get the business. That's probably true. If you want to work with buyers, you could always buy buyer leads. You're not going to make probably any money. But yeah, that's true. Because nobody else has been telling you what Julie and I have been telling you? I think that's definitely true. Because everywhere you turn, you're just inundated with people telling you to do all this easy stuff that doesn't require skill or certainly doesn't require any form of rejection. Well, that's definitely true. How many people are saying five ways to get buyer leads on Facebook ads or do your branding, do your marketing, create your lead funnels, do your this, do your other thing? How many people are telling you all that stuff? Billions. Everybody is. Why is it that they're not that people aren't saying what we're saying? I'll tell you why. Because they never learned it themselves, so they can't teach it. They've never they never learned how to build an ultra profitable real estate practice. They never actually took the time to master the skills necessary to become a very proficient, highly profitable real estate agent who's not dependent on a marketplace, uh, you know, market conditions or interest rates. Someone who can ebb and flow. Someone who knows that they could take listings every single day if they choose to. That's what we do. We're not into gimmicks. We're not into you know shortcuts. We're not into basically easy buttons. We're into the real work of real estate. That's where you find your freedom. That's what your North Star should be as you're looking forward. Because if it's not, and if you think basically what you've done in the past 10 to 14 years in real estate, and some of you, most of you haven't been even been in, been in business that long, you're going to, if what you were doing in this past market, which is shocking to think that was only last February, right? 60, 90 days ago. I mean, if you think about that, isn't that crazy? But in that market, most of the things that you were doing that you thought worked to generate you business weren't really generating you business. You just fooled yourself into believing that they were. For example, you did the branding thing. You thought, well, the branding thing is sure enough going to give me business. And yet all your business was coming from maybe your church group or your kids' soccer leagues, or maybe you're uh, very good at working you know, a PTA group, but you told yourself it was the branding. Well, no, it wasn't. Had you not done any branding and wasted any money on your logo, you still would have gotten that business. But you went to some seminar, you went to heard some guru tell you you need to work on your brand. You didn't need to work on your brand, guys. You just need to work on your skills. It, so here's an interesting little, I think this is fascinating personally. So what's the difference between branding and reputation? You ever asked yourself that? Branding and reputation. Those of you guys who are over the, older than 40, you know reputation is what businesses are, you know, everybody's built on. Reputation is what you are essentially 
um, you know, that's your founding. That's how people see you. That's how the world sees you. That's what you have to earn. You can't fake reputation. You have to basically, if you want the reputation of being a successful, powerful, problem-solving real estate agent, you have to earn that from actually having been a successful, power, powerful, problem-solving real estate agent, which would have required you having done, guess what, what you didn't want to do and you didn't want to do at the highest level with a high level of skill that you could learn along the way. You don't have to have all the skill and then apply it. You could learn along the way. You guys following me on all this? So in order to have a real reputation of being a problem solver, you actually have to earn that. But this is what you guys have been led to believe. I don't think any of you got into real estate thinking what I was about to say is true, but people sold you into the idea that you could buy your reputation through branding. Isn't that fascinating? Or you could buy your reputation through social networking. Equally as fascinating. Now, why do people sell you guys stuff like that? Because you'll buy it all day long because you love the idea of being able to essentially not have to do the real work and never experience rejection and then somehow miraculously all the stars will align and people will call you to list their houses. Now, there will be people, that, just being very clear, some of you guys have confused yourselves into believing that those things were the things that led to your transactions. But what I'm here to tell you with, a, with, with zero doubt is you would have earned that business anyway had it not been, I mean, because of, generally speaking, your centers of influence and past clients. A lot of you would have gotten that same business without having spent all that money. And yet you do it. Why do you do it? Your ego, mostly, right? Doesn't your ego tell you that you're supposed to have a brand? Doesn't your ego tell you that you're supposed to have a fancy website? Here's a fun statistic on fancy websites. This isn't from me. This was from NAR. And then Teak Wiggins over at uh, Inman did a great story on this maybe two years ago. And it was, <laughs> it was hilarious, really, I think. The average agent in the country gets a total of, guess how many leads or closings from their agent website per year? Guess how many? Podcast listeners, throw out a number. The average agent website generates how many transactions per year? The number is zero. That's the number. And isn't that what Julie and I have been telling you guys for years? That just spending money or even allowing any of your thoughts to go in that direction is a complete waste of energy? Now, why am I telling you all this, right? Some of you guys think I'm being negative. No, I'm not. I'm being honest. And I'm using actual facts and statistics. And if you don't like what I'm saying, that's okay. But don't stop listening because I'm trying to save you from what's going to be happening next year. Because if you're going to double down on the bad ideas, then what's going to happen is when the train comes around, you're not going to be on that train because it's going to pass you right up. And that's what's starting to happen. So many of you right now are seeing what is the last bastions of this boom market that, you know, go by you. You're not experiencing any of the benefits of this last hurrah. You know intuitively, I bet you every single one of you know intuitively that what's coming in the market next year is going to be profoundly different. And I'm going to tell you something fascinating, why I know you know that. And Julie and I put this on our website. We talked about it in our podcast last week. The amount of money being saved <laughs> right now is it like at host historical highs. It's okay. So people might say one thing, right? If you really you don't ever judge a person by what they say, judge them by what they do. So what you're seeing right now as the U.S. You know, population, folks are saving more money than they have in forever. Now, that's a collective unconscious thing, which is fascinating. Do you think people are sitting around the virtual water coolers talking about how they're going to save money? No. Everyone's doing it in anticipation of this sort of this you know, universal feeling that we all have that there's going to be harder times ahead. It is fascinating. You know, call it the collective unconscious. Google that term. 
whether it's real or not, I don't know. But I do know that there has this, you know, there is this tendency that if you want to see what direction, for example, the economy is going to go, watch the savings rates. Because if people, consumers, right, which I personally hate that term, but if consumers are saving their money and not spending it, that tells you they're fearful of their future. Sorry about that little interruption. I, <laughs> that's what happens when uh, Zoe actually has learned how to uh, call me on FaceTime. And so she calls on FaceTime. It's another uh, fallout from the pandemic. So I'm going to try to put myself on airplane mode. Uh oh, here she comes again. Yes, Zoe? Do you have something to tell me? She said she wants you to look at your workplace. Okay, I'll look at my workplace, but I'm on the podcast right now, sweetie. Can you leave and close both the doors? Oh, that happened. I'm not even going to try to cover for it. No edits are going to happen. You guys are going to hear that in real time. I'm sure you're all experiencing these things yourself. So you understand. She was so cute when she realized I was on the podcast. That was awesome. Um, okay, so where were we? So these are just the random thoughts that, you know, sort of have all been um, focusing me on and Julie on really how we're altering our message and we're starting to be resolute in our belief that our predictions about what's going to be happening at the end of this year into next year is absolutely valid. And so as you're thinking about where you're going to decide to put your best, um, essentially your best energies and focus, I strongly encourage you to focus on doing the things you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. All right, so I'm going to get back to talking with you guys about um, this coaching call I had. And again, this is, you know, at this point, it's a coaching call I've had a billion times with a billion different people. But the theory here is, is that, you know, people need goals and they need to have focus on, you know, what it is that they're going to be putting their best energies towards. And I believe in all those things. And you need North Stars. And in a market like this, an economy like this, you need fewer things to focus on, not more things to focus on. So we talked about focusing on the three things, the physical, the um, obviously the financial in your environment. That all makes sense, hopefully. So now what you have to start doing is you have to start pruning the other inputs that you have. And I mean literally, go media free. That's going to be one of the greatest gifts you can give to yourselves is if you guys completely were to go media free and stop listening to really any sort of media, news, you know, anything. If you're listening to podcasts that aren't like this, um, you know, that you know, maybe you're listening to some episodic podcasts that are, you know, long form stories, that's great. But if you're listening to current event podcasts, why don't you just stop doing that for a while? Because at this point, what's going to come from listening to those current event podcasts is going to be a lot of confusion. It's going to be you feeling frustrated. It's going to be you feeling, again, lost. You're going to, again, be looking for that North Star. And it, you're going to have all these things that are emotionally pulling you in a different way. And also remember this. And this is something else we've shared with you guys a number of times. Like people will start saying like, well, you don't want to have negative thoughts because, you know, it's going to pull you in that direction. And fundamentally, that's absolutely a true statement. But here's the thing. All of us are pre-wired to look for negative things because it's the negative things that when we're passing them along to others, it's designed to help them to avoid whatever that negative thing is, right? So let's just pretend we're all walking around and, you know, it's a, I don't even know how many years ago this would have been a relevant story, but let's say it's, um, you know, thousand years ago, I don't know when, and when all of our sort of circadian lizard brains were in their formation stages and modern man wasn't quite carved out yet, right? And so when you are walking down a path, if someone came the opposite direction, 
um, you didn't probably want to talk to them about the weather. You wanted to ask them what had they come across on the path to see you that maybe you should be aware of so that you can maybe avoid the, you know, roving horde of zombies or the, you know, Triassic Rex or whatever it is, the saber-toothed tiger. You guys get the point. So people naturally want to hear negative news because it helps them to prepare and protect, right? That's how all of us are wired. But that's also incredibly exploitable by people that are trying to get your attention and grab for your attention. And that's the reason people will channel surf. And they'll go and scroll constantly looking for some negative news headline. Because, look, you could talk about the little chemical dopamine, dopamine release that comes from it and that little aha thing and all that. You could talk about all that. But here's what I want you to remember. Ultimately, it is hardwired into all of us to look for negative news, but ultimately, and here's the magic of this, it is your choice as to whether or not you're going to choose to react to that negative news in a negative way. So if you're constantly filling your head in your heart with a bunch of negative news, if you're constantly filling your head in your heart with you know, news headlines and, head, and all this other stuff, you're going to, you're going to feel... Um, like you're being attacked. You're going to feel like there is a zombie you know, horde that's you know, waiting around the corner to eat you. You're going to never want to take the actions necessary to avoid that, uh, that potential pain. Does that make sense? So what all of you guys have to understand is you can't necessarily control your first reaction to negative news and just accept the fact that you do have a preconception to look for it. That's natural, but you can control how you react to it. And if you want to... Um, essentially limit the amount of work you have to have you know trying to control these negative thoughts that surround all of us then the best thing to do is just limit the inputs so go to the source go to the news right maybe start to you know pare back your time on facebook eliminate the people that are uh, surrounding you with all this negative stuff just you know respectfully nicely take some time off give yourself a break make it so you don't have to have a constant inner battle going on with where your mindset is these are all things that are in your control, and this is part of your environment, right? Does this make sense, listeners? Okay, so here's moving forward. Here's the next thought for you. If you guys, um, some of you guys are feeling like you lost half of your year, and I'm here to tell you you didn't. This first half of the year has proven to you that you have more staying power than you thought you did, or at least it's proving to you the uh, fallibility of the plan that you were on. So if it took the PPP and the government bailouts to make it so you had some resemblance of financial security, maybe that should be a wake-up call that you need to be taking a serious hard look at how you're managing your finances, right? If you've gained the COVID-19 pounds, maybe that maybe it's a good opportunity for you to take a hard look at how you're treating your body. You guys get the point here? So if you look at the last six months, not as a curse or not as a you know, it was a forced quarantine, at least the last 90 days, and maybe in parts of the country, there'll be another forced quarantine. But if you look back at it as a sort of an opportunity for, for you to have taken a little slight sidestep from reality, and um, did you learn from it? What did you learn from it? Did you learn that maybe you weren't and your business model wasn't as strong as you thought it was? Well, guess what? That's what you should have learned, most likely. That's what a lot of the country is learning. That's what a lot of small business owners are unfortunately going to learn. The unemployment rate is going to increase. It's not going to decrease. You guys are going to see this. We've been predicting this since March. All the programs, the PPP and the EIDL loans and the enhanced, you know, un, you know all this stuff, it's going to run its course and then you're going to see more people losing their jobs. You're seeing an increase in the number of resumes that are flowing through all the job you know, search sites. This is a trend that's going to grow to a macro trend, which tells you, tells me, 
that you should be preparing for next year being significantly different. Now, don't be fearful of that because there'll still be lots of opportunities for those that have skills. You see how the recurring theme here is? Have skills. You guys you guys sensing that a lot of the skills you're going to have to develop are the, maybe the very ones you have been avoiding trying to learn? You know, once you knew, know how to have a conversation, you can follow by following a script, a prequal script, for example, a buyer prequal script, a seller prequal script, not something that's based on, you know, something you've patched together from different Facebook groups, but an actual proven script, a listing presentation script, a script on how to get a price reduction, a script on how to price your house correctly in the first place, those types of scripts. Once you have those memorized, um, and you don't have to memorize them first. You, you can use them. You can read them. You can have them printed out. You're going to find a lot of the things you were fearful of were just basically all in your head. They're all fake, all imaginary. You're going to have conversations with buyers and you're going to turn out, it's going to turn out those buyers are actually sellers and things are going to flow together with a lot of ease. And you're going to be experiencing this sense of control. Remember, that's what we're talking about here, regaining a sense of control. You're going to have this sense of control because your business is no longer going to be based on luck and lies. And that's what a lot of you guys have been, you know, essentially counting on, luck and lies. Luck that you'll have somehow business will show up in your, um, you know, your email, your text, and lies that the things you're spending money on will somehow cause those leads to show up. And that's what gives you the ultimate sense of insecurity is because you're basing your business on things you can't control right? Remember the three things you can control. What were they? Environment, physical, financial. What are the, and so what is exactly the, how are you going about generating your business, trying to generate business based on things that you can't control? Does this make sense, listeners? Intuitively, it does, doesn't it? I mean, when, when we're having this conversation together, because that's what we're doing, don't you sort of, I mean, yes, there's going to be some angstful feelings, maybe a little bit of anger, maybe a little bit of, you know, negative reaction, because you don't like what I'm saying, but it's you don't like what I'm. It's not because you don't know what I'm saying is true. It's just because maybe you've had the thoughts that what I'm saying you what I'm saying you've thought yourself before, but you've done everything in your power to try to procrastinate or ignore those feelings and those thoughts and your subconscious mind trying to you know hey you know Bob wake up there is a uh, you know a Tyrannosaurus Rex that's around the corner and maybe we should uh, alter course right. You see how these, th how these things all weave themselves together and how what I'm telling you, you already intuitively knew. I know you know what I'm saying is true, but are you going to wait and experience hardship before you actually take action on these things? Are you going to wait until next year to see if Julie and I are, are correct? And by the way, Julie and I and pretty much every major economist are correct. Is that what you're going to do? Why would you do that? That doesn't make sense. You know, so we're walking in that, you know, I'm walking one direction on a path and you're walking in the other. And you ask me, okay, Tim, what's ahead on this path? You know, if I continue on this path, what's there? And I say, listen, Betty, there's not only a, you know, a hoarding, you know, group of zombies, but there's zombie uh, <laughs> Triosaurus Rex that love to eat people named Betty. I mean, this is the worst path, worst path, path ever for you to be on. Okay. So I just told you that. And then we pass each other. You keep walking in the direction that I came. And I notice you don't alter course, right? Why? Why wouldn't you change direction when you were just warned that what's ahead of you is going to be something that's not going to be very desirable? Why? Because you're walking and you're saying, you know what? 
I'm not going to believe in Tim, what Tim just said. I like my, my my mindset is telling me that there's not going to be a big, you know, zombie Tyrannosaurus Rex that loved to eat, eat, eat Betty's up there. I'm just going to keep on walking on this path and my mindset's going to cure all. And, you know, I'm just going to basically woo woo my way to, uh, you know, survival, right? I mean, I, I'm just trying to make you guys laugh, but you get the point. You know what I'm saying is intuitively true. You got to trust yourselves. You're smart enough to know that. You have to change direction. You have to do it in a radical way. Look, not everything you're doing is going to be a, a toss out. Some of these things that you're doing are good ideas that we can embellish. But how many of the things you're doing can you say with 100% confidence would result in you winning the challenge of taking three listings in three weeks if you had that challenge? None of them, right? Because they're all based on luck and lies. You guys get it? You understanding at least intellectually what I'm saying is true. For those of you who've never been exposed to thoughts like this before, you can't say you haven't been exposed to thoughts like this before now. You have. So if you choose to continue on that path along with Betty and you find yourself becoming a zombie because, you know, you got bit, well, you did it yourself, didn't you? That The zombie horde is six months to 12 months away. That's where it's waiting for you. Please take a serious course direction now. Now, when you're thinking about goals, goals are something everyone talks about. And I talked about this a little bit yesterday. You know, a goal must be a dream with an action plan. The action plan is the part where everybody fails because they don't know how to make an action plan. We've created, um, we created this years ago, but it's something that's fantastic. It's called the real estate treasure map. The real estate treasure map is not for wimps. I think it's 75 pages. <laughs> it is. It's mostly fill in the blank. It asks questions about, it makes you think about all the things that are important to you. Um, we're not telling you what's important to you. We're not trying to put our values on you. We're making you through the real estate treasure map exercise determine that for yourself. And I'm going to tell you guys how you can get a free copy of the real estate treasure map. Just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S to 31996. We're going to text you back links to um, six free books. The real estate treasure map is the first one that I need you to absolutely download and then print it off and then take the time to go through it. It's going to require you doing some math. It's going to require you doing some, um, frankly, some real soul searching about your thinking. It's, but the best part of it is it's going to put you in a position where you can determine what your goals are. Arguably, though I think I'm, I'm pretty much in lockstep with this, there's five areas of life that pretty much everyone can set goals around. And you guys know what those five areas of life are? They are family, physical, financial, educational, and spiritual. Now, here's the thing about those five areas of life. They don't all have to be in perfect balance. And that's another thing that absolutely drives uh, me crazy when I hear people say you're supposed to be in balance. Balance is something you'll never experience. If you want to focus on balance, I'll give you a secret. Focus on the balance in your checking account. Because if you try to have balance between each of those five categories, it is impossible and you'll burn yourself out trying to have balance, right? You'll burn yourself out because, okay, Tim, what does balance in spiritual mean? What does balance in educational mean? What does balance in family mean? What does balance in physical and financial mean? What do those things even mean? I have no idea. I never told you guys to do it. I thought that was dumb the first time I heard it when I was in my 20s. I think it's dumb now because here's the reality of it is, is at a different point in your life, you focus on different things. Different things become important. I don't know how old you are, but I'm going to assume you're the average agent. Let's say you're 56 years old and you're thinking back to the things that were important to you 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, right? You see how it's different things? I mean, I can remember, you know, 20s and 30s. Do you remember how the things that were important to you as far as like, 
you know, your uh, physicality, for example, was maybe something that was important. For me, Julie and I, we were very focused on financial back when we were in our early 20s because we had specific goals, but not very many other people our age were. Um, you know, so it really depends on, it's an individual thing. And I'll notice, and I have noticed that sometimes, well, most of the time when people get older, then they start basically focusing on spirituality. But right now, every single one of you listening and the things you can control, right, are going to be in the two areas of life I want you to focus on primarily are financial and then the physical aspect. This is for goal setting. Okay, now I realize that you can also focus on your environment too, and that's something you should do, but it's not a goal setting uh, type thing. You know, I pivoted conversations. Are you guys, you know, following me here? So with the financial goals, here's the challenge I have for all of you. And this is going to be something easy to say. And if you've never done it before, it's going to be hard for you to actually wrap your mind around it. Here's the thing that here's the way you offset negative momentum. You have to overproduce. So if you've never taken listings before, you've never had a listing before, that's fine. Set the goal of having five listings at all times. The real estate treasure map walks you through all this, by the way. Just text the word Harris to 31996. So to focus on maybe having three listings or five listings at all times. The real estate treasure map will tell you how many listings you need to have at all times to meet or exceed your financial goals. Now, if you've had listings before, if you're used to carrying 10 or 15 listings, you need to double it, if not triple it. That's the only way you're going to offset the market that we're going to be entering into. Do not mentally... Uh, you know, wrestle with what I just said. Tim, why would I want to have a bunch of listings if the market was going to change? Because you sure as heck want a lot of listings because the market's changing. A buyer's agent's going to suffer in a changing market because the buyers are going to be the first ones that exit the building, right? They're the ones that are going to take themselves out of the market. The non-motivated sellers who would have been your buyers are going to stay put. The, you know, straight up buyers are just going to keep renting. You're, those types of things. And so during a transitioning market, before people feel like they can buy again because there's price stability, you're going to see a lot of essential, essentially the buyers are going to take themselves out of the market, which will obviously cause price erosion. CoreLogic and now others are all predicting there's going to be for the third time in the history of the United States nationwide depreciation of home values. Some markets, it's going to be double digit. Other markets, it's going to be less than 5%. But the conclusion is, and who knows if they're true, if they're right or not, but just operate as if they were, that there's going to be a precipitous drop in home values next year. Is anyone else telling you this, guys? This information is available for everyone to read. I'm not making it up. You know, you guys can read the same information. You know, Julie and I do. We publish all these articles and and you know with comments on um, timandjulieharris.com. So just hop over there and check those out yourself. But assuming what we're reading and what we're sharing with you is true, that there's going to be a drop in home values, that's going to be affecting the buyers first in terms of you know their willingness to buy. Which means if you want to be relevant in real estate, you're going to have to have um, you have to be a listing agent, because the more listings you have, the higher probability you have of being able to stay in positive cash flow for longer. And the other thing is, is when you're a listing agent, you have leverage. You know, there's you know I don't even have to sell that to you, do I? If, if you had a choice between having 10 really great motivated sellers and 20 buyers, what would you rather have? Now, some of you, there's a, like, oh, every time I've asked that question in a live event, there's always a couple of you that, I don't like working with listings, blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. 
there's an, always going to be an exception. But the reality of it is, is you guys all know listings give you leverage. And the nice thing about listings is, is when you have listings, you don't have to work the nights and the weekends, do you? You don't have to basically be showing houses that are 45 minutes away. You don't have to be, you know, all the things that require uh, your time. So Julie said this, and I thought it was, you know, it's brilliant is when you're working with buyers, it's physical labor. When you're working with sellers, it's mental labor. The mental and mental labor means you have to learn skills. Once you have those skills, you don't generally, as long as you keep them you know, sharp, you don't have to relearn them. So you know what to say and how to say it. Everything I'm saying to you guys, I've said a billion times before. There was not one original thought that I've said to you that if you listen to our past podcast, read our book, certainly if you were a coaching client, Julie and I have been doing this for decades. Every single thing I've said before, it's essentially I've internalized and it's become somewhat of a script, right? Maybe more than a script at this point. That's what happens when you essentially do the same thing over and over again. What the amazing thing about working with sellers is, uh, and buyers for that matter, but just in general, is you say the same thing over and over and over again. So make sure what you're saying is the thing that's going to get the job done, not just some gobbledygook, ineffective garbage. Make sure you're saying things that are going to actually get people into the end zone and get the house listed and get the house sold, not just some convoluted, you know, cobbled up thing that you maybe had work in a seller's market because whether you want to hear this or not in the seller's market houses sold themselves your marketing and your branding and your virtual tours had virtually no effect on the price of the house or the sellability of the house oh that is assaulting isn't it some of you hate that i just said that well okay so there has been a whole bunch of studies and a whole bunch of research that has researched this yourself we've talked about it in our website that has absolutely proven that having your house, uh, a listing, a seller's house on multiple websites like Zillow, Realtor.com, Remember Trulia, and all these others has zero effect on the days of the market or the actual list to sell price ratio. Zero. Okay. Virtual tours and all that stuff. Zero effect. Now, in a, a real tough seller's market where the you know buyer's trying to choose between 30 houses and you know, you've done a better job of writing a description and the pictures are better. Yes, then it'll make a difference. But in a hot seller's market where things sell themselves, where you all, all you have to do is you could literally take a listing contract through the drive through bank and they'll give you your paycheck because they know it's going to sell. That's a joke, but you guys get the point. When it's that hot at that point, when you're doing all this extra stuff, it's just because you're feeling obligated to to placate the seller's ego. And it's essentially a you know an arms race to who's going to offer the seller the most tchotchkes and you're having to appease the seller to get the listing. But don't fool yourselves or don't let people fool you into believing that has anything to do with the sellability of the house. Sellability of real estate has to do with price, condition, and location. Oh my gosh, that's so old school because it's true. <laughs> that's it. It's true. You know, you could have price, condition, location. If you have great price, great location, and great condition, you to put it in the MLS with no description, no pictures. Is that house going to sell itself? Is anyone arguing with me right now? No, you're all saying yes, you know, because it will sell itself. So these are the types of thoughts you have to be questioning about yourself if you're trying to rationalize staying just 100% committed to working with buyers and you don't want to change. Why would you do that? You know, if you're from a cold kind of occasionally miserable place like where Julie and I are from in the Midwest, trust me when I tell you, you don't want to be out there hustling houses when there's, you know, six inches of snow on the ground and where it's, you know, negative 20 degrees. Wouldn't you much rather basically be sitting at home and, uh, you know, 
prospecting proactively, lead generating, and not having to be out there showing houses. I'm imagining all of you would. So here's the thing, ultimately, when you're going through the process of setting goals. You've got to dream really, really big. Um, and remember I told you yesterday, right? Ultimately, the thing that's going to motivate you isn't moving towards the accomplishment of a goal. It's the fear of losing something you already have. There is really nothing more powerful than the fear of losing your health or your finances or your family or the love and respect of other people or your home or your car. If you're looking to search for, oh, Tim, I'm just not feeling motivated, well, then start psychologically messing with yourself and telling yourself, what's it going to feel like when you lose what you already have? Then all of a sudden, you're going to find superpowers that you didn't know you had. And by the way, if you don't do that exercise and you're selling yourself into believing that you don't have motivation and that's the reason you're not doing anything and you're just slowly dying on the vine, well, you're going to actually create this, the, you know, the fear of loss, the fear of loss is going to become loss. And then you're all of a sudden going to be motivated again. Now, again, I'm going to share this with you and I'm going to give it in a, you know, put it in a slightly different perspective to hopefully reach more of you. I told you guys about Monet yesterday, right? If not, listen to yesterday's show. So ultimately, if you're wanting to know what it feels like to be broke, if you've not been broke for a long period of time, and you're trying to find some sort of innate drive to force you forward, maybe it's not even the fear of, you know, maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, I will never be broke, Tim. I can always get a job. How can you get a job with record unemployment? And what makes you think the job that you would get what's anywhere come close to basically covering your your fixed cost or your overhead? Well, then you're going to say, well, Tim, my husband or my spouse works, so I don't need to actually do what I don't want to do and I don't want to do at the highest level because I got money coming in to cover myself. Well, good for you. But here's what happens. What if they lose their job? It happens in a market like this. Tim, what are you talking about? I've got my pension. I've got my teacher's pension. Oh, really? How does that teacher's pen- pension in most states get backstop? I know property taxes. So what happens if all of a sudden properties start depreciating? What happens if sales tax receipts start depreciating, going away like they did over the pandemic? What happens if all these things you believed would were be you know rock solid and be there forever just like you thought they would? What if you discover that they're all basically built on paper mache pillars? Because that's what they are built on. The only thing that is not is your skill set. See how I'm, the difference between the way Julie and I approach life and the way maybe a lot of other people do is we are not putting ourselves in a position to be reliant on other people ultimately. We're putting ourselves in a position to be relying on knowing that we have the skill set to solve other people's problems. And that's something no one can ever take away. It's the it's the whole thing, the power of education, right? I mean, once you have an education, it can't be taken away. You can lose everything that you have, but you can gain it back. But it's, why would you want to go through that if you didn't have to? So if you are questioning what motivates you, Here's how I'm going. Here's how you can tell what motivates you. And my theory is that every single one of you, I know it's statistically it's a fact, but I don't know if you know it's a fact, right? So here I'm going to sell it to you. How many of you have had ups and downs in your income or your health or your relationships? How many of you have had divorces? How many of you had, okay, you guys get it? You've gone from good years to bad years. How many of you have gone through cycles like that? Everyone has. It's normalized. People think that's how you're supposed to live. But I'm here to tell you that's optional. And that's incredibly, it's just an absolutely regressive way to live your life. And it ruins your potential. It makes it so you never, ever can uh, gain any real ground in life. So I'm going to start with a little Warren Buffett quote. Warren said, 
you know, Americans love to celebrate the comeback story. And Warren says, I like to celebrate, you know, the, you know, the comeback story, right? The, the man or the woman that built the big business were very successful, wealthy, the top of the, you know, the top of the plant. They're just doing fantastic. And then all of a sudden they lose it all. Maybe they lose it all through just, you know, bad decisions, too much risk. They lose it all because they develop health problems, because they cheat on their spouse or whatever it is, right? They put themselves in a position to lose it all. But then guess what happens? They get it all back again. They recreate themselves. Isn't that sort of what everyone's, you know, that's like the American vision of, yes, you can do it again. You can recreate yourself over and over again. And Warren Buffett said, Americans love to celebrate the comeback story. I love to celebrate, the, you know, the guy or the gal that never lost, that, that earned it, that built it and never lost it. So do I. I, I. I think that's smart, right? Why would you put yourself in a position to have to go through this construction destruction phase throughout your entire life? Because eventually what's going to happen is, frankly, you're just going to be too old to reconstruct or you're just not going to have the motivation to do it or the world is going to push back hard enough against you actually, you know, reconstructing that you won't be able to do it. it there is something called ageism there is something called health there is something called opportunity that does not offer its same it, you aren't given the same opportunities as an older person as you are as a younger person it's a fact what i just said i'm not saying if it's right or if it's wrong right but it is a fact and you guys who are my age and older you're experiencing that aren't you you go on a listing appointment and you're competing against somebody who's maybe you know 15 or 20 years younger than you, and they've got their acts together, they're energetic and enthusiastic, they're going to get the listing every single time versus somebody that looks like they maybe, you know, even if you have the exact same skill set as the other person, the seller's going to have a tendency to want to choose the younger person if that older person basically doesn't have the energy and enthusiasm, doesn't have the track record. Because what happens is over time, we have our you know, our biases tell us that, you know, if Bob hasn't really accomplished something at this point in his life, he's not going to. Whether that's true or not, it's not true, truthfully, because you can accomplish high levels of success anytime at any age. And there's the world and, you know, history is full of people who have created amazing businesses and just amazing things with their lives when they're in their 60s and they're in their 70s and their 80s. You can create, I mean, look at the ages of our presidents, for God's sake. I mean, that's kind of amazing, don't you think? Whether you like them or not, you know, whether you like the politicians or not, or think they should all, you know, be led out to pasture, I don't know. I don't know what your opinion is, but still, they're in the ring, they're fighting, and, you know, there's lots of, again, there's, there's thousands of stories of people that have had the greatest levels of success. And every single one of those stories, when you read them, I'll tell you what the thing was, is they had that little epiphany where they said, I'm sick of basically ebbing and flowing. I'm, I'm sick of climbing up the mountain, falling back down again. I'm sick of having, you know, maybe three to five or 10 years worth of, you know, ascension and great success followed by a bunch of failure. I don't want to do that pattern anymore. And I acknowledge and I know and I accept the fact that, you know, these are the things that got me off track. These are the things that ruined my potentiality. It's always the same stuff. It's three letters. It's called ego, right? Your ego tells you you don't have to learn anymore. Your ego tells you, I'm good. I'm good. When you hear someone say, I'm good, they're full shit. You know what? Anybody who says that, they're 100% not good. That is the surefire international, you're not good if they say, I'm good. <laughs> That's somebody who's trying to be complacent. That's someone who says, you know what, I don't need to learn anymore, or I'm in good enough shape, my finances are strong, my relationship is great, you know, my relationship with God is great, my relationship with my wife is great, my husband is great, my kids are great, my neighbors are great, everything's great, right, great, I'm good. Nope, you're going to lose it, because nothing in life will allow any of us to stay complacent. We are forced to change every single day, and as soon as you stop learning, 
as soon as the world passes you by and you start losing listings, people don't want to do business with somebody that, you know, if you don't have the skill set that other people have. As soon as you stop trying to improve your financial situation, you're going to lose the financial situation you have. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you here, guys? If you're looking for ultimate motivation, accept the fact that the greatest motivation for everybody is losing what you already have. Isn't that what you've done throughout your life? Haven't you gone through these boom and bust cycles? Why have you chosen to do that? Because you didn't feel, you said, I'm good in your own way, right? And then you put it yourself into neutral. You allowed yourself to be complacent and you lost what you had. Can all of you relate to this? That's a choice. You don't have to go through that. You don't actually have to follow that pattern. It's a choice. It's a horrible choice. But is that the one you've been following? Are you ready to stop doing it? Hopefully you are. Hopefully you're taking these things seriously. Start with the real estate treasure map. Tomorrow I'm going to start the series that frankly I'm really looking forward to called You Have the Moral Obligation to Be Rich. It's one of my favorite series. Julie and I did four or five shows about this. Um, we've updated the notes. Hopefully she's feeling better tomorrow so we can ebb and flow together on these podcasts because it's very enjoyable for us, something we both look forward to. But yeah, we're going to pick up um, tomorrow where we left off today and we're going to talk about, do you have a moral obligation to be rich? And by the way, the answer is yes. But I'm going to walk you through the mental you know, gymnastics of learning uh, and thinking through the way you think with regards to that very topic, moral obligation to be rich. Isn't that an interesting way I phrased it? Isn't that fascinating? I'm trying to say something that's confrontational so that you'll actually say, Tim, how can money and rich be a moral thing? Well, I'll explain it on the podcast starting tomorrow. So listen, guys, I really appreciate all the great feedback. Thanks for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents. Sorry about the little interruption I had about a half hour ago. It is what it is, right? We're all stuck in, you know, <laughs> coronavirus world. Our little six and a half year old, she's <laughs> so... Uh, frankly, uh, maybe this is really incredibly selfish for me to say, but I've loved having her home the past 90 to 120 days. I've loved having this direct interaction with her. And I don't mind at all that she came in and interrupted us during the podcast. Maybe I'll start having Zoe as a special guest and she can start telling you guys her, her stories. And I mean, she's so creative and amazing. You know, it's, it's just a blessing. All this extra time we've had. Well, I mean, it should have been a blessing, right? All this extra time we've had with our family members. All this extra time we've had to really take an in, be introspective and think about what really matters in life. So I'm asking all of you guys to take this seriously. Realize that no matter what has happened in the last 90 days, no matter what's going to happen next 180 days to, you know, frankly, years in the future, it isn't within your control, within a certain, you know, realm of reality. Start out by essentially setting your own direction. Don't wait around for somebody else to tell you how to think or how to feel. Complete the real estate treasure map. Just text the word Harris to 31996. In the, uh, in the meantime, if you guys need me for anything, especially if you want to join our EXP family, I strongly encourage you to reach out to me directly. You can text me at 512-758-0206. So if you want to join our EXP group, text me directly at 512-758-0206. You guys have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.